Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know, so and welcome back to another episode of Sports with So So. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast on all streaming platforms and following us on social media as we continue to bring you the latest in sports. Coming to you live from CIC Miami, y'all. This week, another dope episode. We got our boy Jesse joining us to talk UFC 264. We jump into the NBA Finals to give you a quick recap. We also jump into the world of soccer with that crazy finals in two big leagues. And, of course, we wrap it up with the British Open to see who gets their golf on in the Euros. Man, it's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Yo, what a crazy, crazy weekend, my G. Tell me about it, bro. We had a great time at Grills, dog. Let me tell you. I'm glad we recorded a lot of it because if not, I don't know. You wouldn't remember it? I don't know, dog. It was a lot of beers (laughs) flowing. After about that second picture, it was like, well, we're in for a long one tonight, boys. (laughs) I hope everybody's ready to hear this. And trust me, you guys are going to get that real soon, man. Real soon. But it was a great time, bro. Yeah, man. Shout out to Grails, Eddie, the whole staff. Uh, You guys were working your asses off that night. We saw the effort and we appreciate everything you guys did for us and the and the people who came to check out the podcast um we had a really good turnout bro dude the the building was packed when we we got there and the line never died down it did not The line was still like crazy long like halfway through the night for real for real the the night you know the only thing that that uh sent everybody home was that crazy tropical storm that came through at the end of the night yo how that happened that was nuts when you i stepped outside for two seconds and it was like all right let's start packing it up and it was like Nope. Torrential downpour, and I was like, well, we're not taking shit outside because <laughs> all of this stuff was very expensive. Yeah, we just drank some more beer. Yeah, man, that was pretty much the plan, right? But the the event was dope, right? Every The atmosphere was amazing at Grills. The food was dope. Obviously, the drinks did their job, <laughs> right? Because it allowed us to have an even better time. And I don't know, man. I, I feel like the ufc event in itself was definitely entertaining and i'm sure our boy jesse would agree with us right because it was one of those things that if you watched it and paid for it you definitely got your money's worth yeah and now we should welcome to the show jesse he's a huge ufc advocate one of my closest friends and uh i respect everything he has to say about uc ufc so jesse how's it going bro Hey, it's going good, guys. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. It's an honor um, to be here for sure. And I'm, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of the sport. So, uh, you know, I wish I could be there present with you guys physically. But, uh, you know, for now, this first time, this will do. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Doggy, we'll get you in here in the studio at some point, maybe for the next next UFC. The good thing about being at CIC Miami, bro, is that they give us the space to do whatever we want in here. It's pretty ridiculous. Yep. Me and Joel got a four-square corner set up. You guys can't see it, but it goes down whenever we're taking a break. We got tremendous box ball action in here. I <laughs> <laughs> just forgot the ball today. That's the problem. <laughs> hey, Jesse, let me ask you a question, bro. And let's let's start off before we get to the main event, which obviously everybody went to see. Right, everybody was in the building for that one. Um, the cart, the fights under that that main event were pretty exciting too, bro. But I wanted to get your take on the first one of the night between Sean O'Malley and Chris Moutinho. Um, O'Malley came in as a big favorite, right, Jay? Like everybody was hyped up about O'Malley to see what he was gonna do on his way back. And I don't know about you, bro, but his punches look extra weak. To me, when he, when he was trying to hit, Chris, well, he did hit Chris I, with all those shots. I disagree. I don't think his his punches looked as weak as uh, Moutinho's face just looked that much stronger than O'Malley's punches, <laughs> man. Because that kid took a beating and he was relentless. He just kept coming back for more. And that fight kind of ended in a controversial fashion. I know we were talking about it that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was gonna say, you know, with O'Malley, you know, he definitely had the volume and strikes. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of pop into him, but he was definitely landing them pretty flush. Um, but I think that what we took out of that fight, all in all, is that, uh, you know, Chris Motino uh, debuted and, and really that guy is, uh, you know, a juggernaut. The only other person I can think that has done something like that where they're getting punched in the face and they're still coming straight at you is probably Nate Diaz. Yeah. Probably the only person that comes into mind that is going to hunt you down, whether you're in five rounds or, or, or 99 rounds. Uh, the guy looked like he had no, no breaks in his uh, in his car and and really you know unfortunately that that fight ended a little early um with, with herb gene ending that fight a little early 30 seconds ago yeah man i felt like 
And a lot of people are like, oh, but the punishment that he was taking and shit like that throughout the fight, I was like, man, listen, he he already went into that octagon knowing that it was going to be a war because he knew he didn't have the advantage in the striking because O'Malley is quicker, better, you know, he's just a better striker than Chris could be. But his heart was definitely bigger than, than Sean O'Malley's heart because he did not get tired throughout the fight. He kept coming forward. He was throwing blows like and really connecting sometimes with – with simple combos, but effective combos, you know, and he never looked to take the fight to the ground or anything like that. It was a super, super duper, um, impressive, super, super duper, by the way, <laughs> impressive <laughs> debut because I feel like he just earned himself another three fight contract after this. And, and part of that, that was part of the reason why I was, you know, defending Herb Dean, who, who I'm a huge fan of, you know, he was the referee for that fight. And he was the one that, that pulled, you know, that pulled him apart, that kind of mm. stopped it with mm-hmm. those 28, 29 seconds and some change, whatever. Um, and I was, you know, I was saying, you know, he's, he's a, he's a guy, he's a ref for the fighters, you know, he's there to protect those guys. And I think he had seen enough. He had seen, uh, Motino take enough damage and enough abuse. And that fight was already won by O'Malley. And, you know, he, he, he's there to protect the fighters and make sure that they're there to be able to fight another day. Now, can you argue yeah. that, Hey, those last 28 seconds, anything could have happened. I mean, yeah, Absolutely. just just look at the, look at the heavyweight fight between Greg Hardy and, and, and Tui or, or I forget his name. Ty. Ty. Tui. So, you know what I mean? Like that, that fight right there, you, you got a guy like Greg Hardy who, who was, he was an aggressor. Initially he was pu- pushing the pace and it looks like he had something early on. And then all of a sudden just a wild Aaron punch from, from two, he just knocked him out. So I guess that's the argument is to letting them play it out. Those 30 yeah, seconds, man. you never know what you're going to get, but we're definitely going to see a lot more of Chris Moutinho. And I think yeah. for my bad, Jesse, but I was going to say that I think for Sean, if, if he's really serious about fighting a guy like Peter Jan, uh, getting into a ring with a Max Holloway or any one of those contenders that he was calling out, he's going to have to step up his game big time, real big time. Because, like I said, a lot of those shots, they felt like they were ineffective. Granted, Chris obviously has a stone face, right? But any normal fighter would have probably gone down in those circumstances, and Chris stood up. So that could mean that Chris obviously has a tough chin, but... Sean definitely doesn't have that same knockout power that people thought he had, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I wanted to point this out as well. Is, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but towards the end of the second and the third round, uh, O'Malley kept kind of taking some deep breaths and looking mm. up at the, at the clock. Um, and, you know, that's not a typical behavior when you're winning the fight. That typically means that, you know, you might be a little tired. You've thrown some volume strikes. Um, you know, you're hitting this guy in the face and he's still coming at you and Again, yeah, there's 30 seconds left, but that guy looks like he had another eight rounds in him. So, Easy. again, you know, the sport the sport is unforgiving, and, and you know, things happen at, at any moment, as we all seen in a bunch of different fights in the past. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it was a, it's a little disappointing uh, when you compare some of the fights that, you know, Herb Dean has uh, refereed in the past. For example, the one, first one that pops up in, into my head is that Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald bloody back and look and i was gonna mention robbie lawler because that's one of the guys that when you mentioned people walking forward bloody face in that particular fight between those two guys that guy kept coming at they both kept coming at each other even though they were both like mauled it was crazy that's right yo i think again like that fight left a lot of questions a lot more questions for sean o'malley than it did for chris chris is definitely gonna get another fight and another opportunity to prove himself um, Sean O'Malley is going to have to be real careful with who he fights next because I don't see it being as like a dominant performance that he had against Chris. And to kind of like piggyback on something you said earlier, Jesse, the next two fights were first round knockouts and we got our, our definite money's worth there. Irene Aldana, she knocked out Yana uh, Kimvisiaka. I got that one right oh, again. I like that. Yeah. And, and you know, again, Irene looks like she was the real deal because she caught her with some serious hooks. And I'm glad that Ty got the fight of the night knockout bonus or whatever because Joel mentioned that he had gotten like a little stumbled, but it was more like a weird punch that hit him on the top of the head. I think he caught Hardy coming forward, like square in the mouth, and sometimes that's the easiest way to knock somebody out, bro. Well, I think he caught him on the side of the face, like right in the jug like right, right here, right? No, it was like more on the side, like by the ear. Mm. It was like a weird punch that he threw. He just kind of flailed one out there, and it just just rocked. It rocked Hardy. That's heavyweight shit, bro. I called it. That's, mm-hmm. Well, you know, one thing, too, is the ones that are going to knock you out are the ones you don't see coming. Mm. And I don't think Hardy saw that one coming. If you look at the, you know, the, the replay on that fight, 
he 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 caught him. He caught him with a shot and kind of right. wobbled him a little. Levasa, you know, he's got, this guy's a veteran. That guy, is, he's a real deal, um, as you saw with that counter. But you know, when I, you look at that replay, uh-huh. uh, opinion, I don't think Hardy even saw that punch coming. No it shot. almost stuck to the air. Give him a little rigor mortis KO there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, again, both those like props to both those guys because they they just went out there to knock each other's heads off their shoulders so for sure that was exciting let me ask you guys a question you particularly jesse um because joel and i talked about it on saturday night greg hardy he he's gone to like a real high class uh jiu-jitsu school now or program whatever that he's finding out the top team yeah and he's like obviously he's working on his game but you can tell that when he's in the, the octagon he's just looking like for the knockout, he's not looking for anything else. He's not trying to work his opponent. He's not trying to game plan for his opponent. He just looks like a a bull looking at red and wants to go forward. You think that shit's gonna last for him? Because I feel like if, if he gets knocked out once more, I feel like that's the end of his UFC contract. Yeah, that's a that's a great observation. Um, you know, I think that Hardy is more of like a seek and destroy type of fighter, mm. especially when they put him in there with some guy that's similar to him. I, I would say Tui Vasa was more seasoned and, and more of a complete fighter, even mm-hmm. though he's a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that guy works his jiu-jitsu and, and the takedown defense. Uh, I think he needs to change his whole, possibly his whole training camp. Um, he has good stand-up. He's a strong dude. Uh, but that's the second back-to-back knockout for him. And, um, you know, obviously... Yeah, if he gets knocked out one more time, that's three knockouts in a row. Yeah. He might get cut. You're absolutely right. I think he needs to change that training camp. I think he needs a big layoff. And I think he needs to reassess everything that he's doing and where he needs to improve for him to be able to get to that next level because I thought that was a big jump. Um, you know, Hardy fought Volkov, I think. It was one of the last guys he fought, and it was a five-rounder, and he did great. Volkov's a huge guy. He's a 6'11 guy, um, you know, long guy, and – and he lost the fight all, all five rounds. But, I mean, that guy is a whole other big step above where he's at. Um, so fighting to Ivasa, I think that he focused too much on I'm going to be a search-and-destroy type of fighter because so is this guy. And I'm a bigger guy, and I probably have more power. Um, but to Ivasa showed he was a more technical striker. Yeah, and then, and then what happens when he gets to somebody that's a, a more technical striker than they are and has just as much, if not more, knockout power than you in a guy like Derek Lewis or Francis Aganu? I mean, he'll never even get the chance to, to grace the ring with those two guys. Nah, hell no. Nah. Hell no. Nah. And, and even if you think about it like this, like his game is not built to knock guys like that out because those guys are way too fast. They're way too agile. They're going to be able to move side to side. And their striking is, if not equal, better than, than anything that Greg Hardy can offer. But they're he's, actual he's fighters. Forward, he's, a yeah, he's a football he's player. He's a football dog. player who wants to... You want know, to be that guy, like yeah, basically channel his you're rage not that and his guy. anger. Trust me, through this, and it's like, dude, you're not your dude, buddy. You're not that guy, buddy. You're not that guy. <laughs> All right, pal, you're not that guy, pal. Trust me. But let's let's jump into probably for me the most exciting fight of the evening. That was the Gilbert Burns versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight. Um, Gilbert won via decision. He improves to twenty and four. Um, probably the end of Wonderboy in the UFC. You know. And and that's kind of sucks to say that, but this loss, his age, doesn't bode well for him. You know, for Gilbert, it's it's great because he's on the rise. Yeah. And I, I want to get you guys' opinion it's on his call bounce, out. Great bounce back win after that that tough loss to Usman for sure. But but now he calls out Masvidal. Like, is he trying to get paid, or does he think that Masvidal is like on the down like spiral and can get an easy W, get some fame, and build that shit up to fight the champ? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I mean. uh I'll, I'll say this. I'll say Gilbert Burns definitely put in the work, and, and he definitely won that fight. Um, Thompson was a little one-dimensional. Um, you know, he, he really has one threat, right? And it's the striking. There's not much more after that. So as long as you neutralize that striking, you know, it's going to put you in a position where what else you got, right? Right. Um, I think with, uh, with Gilbert Burns, I think, yeah, he's probably looking for a payday. Um, I don't think he would think Mazadal's on the way down. I, I read on a forum that Mazadal's going to be fighting Colby Covington, I think, in September. Um, and then I also read that he was going to fight Leon Edwards. Um, so, you know, the way that I compare that fight, the way that I analyzed that fight was very similar to the Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz fight, right? Mm-hmm. Nate mm-hmm. Diaz 
basically got punched in the face for four and a half rounds. And, and listen, the, the guy still did great. He was still in there the whole entire time. But in those last 30 seconds that he landed that one power, that Stockton slap with the left hand down the pipe, and he almost knocked him out. Basically, what that one punch did right there was take away that title shot from yeah. from Leon Edwards, in my that's opinion. For sure. That's crazy. That's, for sure. What I got out, that's what I got out of that fight. You because people, for, people thought yeah. that Leon was frail to begin with. Right. You know, they didn't think he was like a serious contender at that weight division to to take on bigger strikers like Nate Diaz or Masvidal and shit like that. And even Usman, because Usman knocked out Masvidal. So obviously there's power in the champ's hand and there's power in Gilbert Burns' hands. There's power in Masvidal's hands. So all those type contenders really got knockout power in that division. I never thought that Leon Edward was one of those guys. No, definitely agree with that. Um, I think that what we saw in that fight is, you know, Gilbert Burns definitely faced adversity there, but I really wish that he would have got the finish or, or just, you know, maybe not so much of a close second round, more of a full decisive win because then then he can make the case and say, you know, I do want to fight Masvidal. I do want to fight, uh, you know, Usman again. Um, typically, it'll take you one or two fights unless you got that star power that, you know, you win one fight and you get the title shot. Right. For some of these guys that are not a big draw, you know, it's kind of hard for them to get one win and get back in it. You know, they got to – I think that he was smart in calling out Masvidal because if you beat Masvidal, then, then you really – there's no other case but then to fight, you know, the champ. Um, same thing for Leon Edwards. You know, he, he already fought Usman. He already lost to Usman, and that's what kind of hurt him a little bit in, in that Nate Diaz fight is, you know, if he would have finished it or if he would have decisively won or maybe not even get caught with that left would have been a different trajectory for him in, in his career for sure. So what what about Gilbert Burns then if he does get his fight against Masvidal and Masvidal rocks him? What what does that say about Gilbert Burns? He can't be a champ. He can't be a champ. That's my point. Yeah. You know? And and that's not to say that he's not a good fighter. All those cats are good fighters obviously, but to be the champ, obviously at this point right now, you got to be as equal to Usman or even better. And that just doesn't exist. He's probably pound for pound best fighter in the UFC. Best fighter in fucking MMA. Let's let's keep it blunt. Nah, that's tough. We can, we can argue. We can sit here and argue all day on who, who do we think is Bro, better. He's, he's in a weight class okay, some, where he can killers. go up or down and technically still hang with the best of the best. Right. That's some next level shit, you know? That's some real next level shit. All right. Let's, let's, let's get into something that everybody wants to hear about. So... I had Connor winning by second round knockout. You had Dustin winning by third round or knockout better, yeah. or better, right? Jesse, what did you have the fight before before it take before it took place? You know, I had the same prediction as you. I had a second second round TKO McGregor. Yeah, mm. and unfortunately, shit, we didn't even get to see a second round between the two guys because Connor had that weird gruesome fucking break of an ankle. And the end towards the end of the second round, he survived those the last ten six seconds of it. Um, but obviously, the doctor called the stoppage to the fight when he saw that McGregor couldn't get up and it was broken. Now, the question that I had myself as soon as that shit broke was like, "Damn!" Obviously, DP won the first round, so credit to him, right? We don't know if he broke Connor's ankle or if he mm-hmm. fractured it with a check or whatever the it could have been. But he ended up winning the fight, right? He ended up winning the fight. But for Connor, does that mean that you got to fight Dustin again? Does that mean that you're going to have to scrap a nobody or somebody who's, again, trying to make a a name for themselves now in the UFC? Because the champ is not going to want to fight him, even though it's probably his biggest payday. He's not going to go through that mission to make money and possibly lose the belt where he can keep the belt and make bigger pay-per-view contracts eventually now for me it's, it sucks because dustin deserves to be the number one contender and to fight for the belt and he deserves that right because he beat connor twice straight up but now everybody's going to question whether he beat he could have beaten connor straight up there's questions about how the fight ended um we ha- we saw the bad blood between them in the ring when the fight was over it just for me, I just feel like it left a lot of questions, bro. Not a lot of answers. No, you're absolutely right, and it does suck. You know the way that it ended, 
because of the fact, obviously, I, I, I said that Dustin was going to win. If McGregor won, was I going to be upset? No. I just, going off of, you know, recent history where I've seen McGregor in his career, where, where Poirier is in his, uh, based off their last fight, I was like, this is Dustin's fight to win. You know what I mean? This is, this is that's that's his favorite. He's the favorite, in my eyes, to win this fight. And it just sucks that it goes down this way because, like you said, it leaves just so many questions unanswered. And, and then people are going to be like, well, you know, Connor deserves another shot. And if I'm Dustin, I'm like... Why would I give this guy another shot? He he lost to Khabib. I've beat him twice. You know, he's he does whatever he wants. Like he doesn't respect the sport anymore. He comes in with our first fight being all friendly and stuff, acting like he's my friend. And then now after I beat him, now he he wants to turn tough guy and go back to the old way he was. He's not gonna get in my head. So he doesn't owe him another fight, in my opinion. I think that that's solely, you know, based on on just the numbers at that point. Hey, you know what? We're going to give you $5 million or whatever, whatever a lucrative number is right. to fight Conor McGregor again. But he doesn't owe it to him, in my opinion. What do you think, Jess? Yeah, no, there's definitely, it's definitely a complicated situation. Um, you know, I think that right, right after the fight, what we got is we didn't get any closure in that trilogy, right? There was no closure. Right. Um, as a fan, you want to see, a, you know, a knockout, a submission, or a five-round brutal beatdown on either side. It doesn't matter who it is. You just want to see a competitive fight. Um, I, I honestly, as a fan, I think, um, I think Poirier is going to fight for the belt probably in December against Oliveira, and, and you know, maybe Connor returns twenty twenty two, you know, maybe summer something like that uh, after he goes through a training camp. But I don't think he would get an immediate shot at Poirier, uh, whether he wins the belt or not. I, I mean, you never know. He's, he's a big star. They might, they might try to, you know, play it that way. But I think that he needs to fight somebody in the top five, whether a Justin Gaethje or you got Benel Darouche, another fantastic guy on a nice long winning streak, not a big name, maybe somebody that matches up really well, good striker. Uh, he needs to get in there and he needs to get some momentum. He needs to get a win before he fights Poirier. Big time. He needs a win in the worst way. Not only to a as a fighter to keep the the fans interested, but b as a businessman too. Because it's bad for his brand if he's not fucking winning. Like, yeah, you could be a famous name all you want, but eventually people will start to forget because it's like, oh, you're the guy who lost four straight UFC fights. You're gonna be the guy who lost six straight UFC fights. Nobody cares about what you're talking about because nobody believes you because you haven't had the results. This is this know? is his fourth. Professional loss in a row, correct? Including, I mean, including the Mayweather. Uh, including throwing the Mayweather, it. you know, that was a, a professional right, fight. I guess. He, he boxed. He got a, a, you know, he got a license or whatever to get in the state to box and all that. So this is four professional losses in a row, man. And and even though one of them didn't really count towards the sport you're in, I mean, that has to take a mental toll on you too. Plus all these other ones. So it doesn't look. McGregor's future doesn't look, you know, and as far as the UFC career, it, it doesn't look right. Nah, he's got a yeah. lot of bad things going on for him. Hey, one thing worth mentioning, um, you know, the only win that McGregor has in the lightweight division was against Eddie Alvarez when he got the belt. He has not won another fight since. It was when he fought Saronia as at 170. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and he's lost to Poirier two times, and, you know, he lost to Habib. So, really, that last win that he got in lightweight was, uh, what, 2015? Six, Six years, years ago? Bro. Six years. That's ridiculous. I'm telling you, the, the, the star is losing its luster. For sure, for sure, and even the most common UFC uh, like sports fan that checks out a UFC event now and then, they're like, "Oh, Connor, yeah, I guess I'll watch it because he's not winning. You can't win and keep like keep taking losses and talking all that shit because then, like I said, nobody believes your spiel, nobody believes your act, and even the fighters that you can potentially get into the ring with, they don't want to go into the ring because fuck the money, you're just not worth the headache." Or the, the, the potential for a loss on a record. Like, it's not even worth it. Is he still under contract, Jesse, with UFC for any more fights after this one? Yeah, yeah. So when he fought Zeroni, he had, I think, seven fights left after that because he signed the eight-fight uh, contract with the UFC. So he should have, you know, five-plus fights left. Um, you know, he planned to fight three times this year. That was kind of his 2021 season. Um, you know, that's, that's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, that's out the door. But I, I, he's out for at least a year with that. You know, you know what could possibly be a fight, Justin. I, I'm curious to see what your thoughts would would be on it. Um, we saw that prior to the fight on Saturday. I think it was either Friday afternoon. Uh, he walked in and got by like uh, Rafael dos Anjos, and they kind of had like that back and forth and shit. And they were talking some trash to each other because he said that he took the needle or whatever. And um, 
I'm sure that that would be a fight that would interest both of them. And I think that that's the type of fight that Connor would have to make as a comeback fight because it's not going to be against top tier top tier talent. It's not going to be against somebody who's number two, number three in the division or anything like that. It's gonna he's gonna have to build his way back up. So I'm curious to see what you would think about that fight, a potential fight between Dos Anjos and McGregor. Yeah, no, I think um, I think that would be great. I think that'd be perfect for him to come back. Um, I know that when he was slated to fight um, RDA. You know, back right, I think right before his fight with Nate Diaz, that's one of the reasons he took that Nate Diaz fight was because RDA broke his leg. Right. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, this is a this is going to be a tough fight for him. This is somebody that was what, that was a champ at 155. Um, you know, he's he's a solid guy. He's been training for such a long time. He's he's a legend. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. And you want two big stars like that. That guy's a huge Brazilian star. Um, you know, he's headlined on countless cards. I think that would be a good comeback fight for him. But to be quite honest, mm-hmm. uh, I'd be terrified for McGregor if he fought him because, you know, this Those guy is it's not a joke, dog. He is he is a guy that will take you down and, and drown you. And I've seen him do it for his whole career. And I think that you know McGregor done, you know, historically well against wrestlers, right? He he fought a, you know Eddie Alvarez a little bit smaller than him. He had Chad Mendes at the, you know, he's been fighting and, and wrestling his own entire life, so. But when you're talking about a guy that's just as big as you and has the same type of reach as you, but his wrestling is better. Ten times you know, better, it's gonna, bro. It's going to be the classic striker versus, you know, wrestler. Right. Um, I would I would definitely pay to see that fight, and I think a lot of people would as well. Yeah, I think that would be the most interesting fight that Connor could make because we all know that Dustin's going to fight Oliveira for the for the belt um, at some point later on this year. You said, I believe, December, so that that would be something to look forward to, bro. And maybe we can have you back on yeah. when that fight is about to pop back off. In the studio man. next time we do one of these. Which what, what's the next uh, UFC we're looking forward to, Jess? Hey, I, I'm I'm a big Masvidal fan, so I really want to see you know Masvidal ends up fighting Leon Edwards or Colby Covington. There's bad blood there. Yeah, and um, I anytime there's bad blood, we want to watch, right? We want to see facts. Who wins? I I think that the last fight we had that way that that was you know there was a lot of bad blood was that Usman Colby Covington fight. Um, so I mean, look, I would love to see Usman and Covington too. I think Covington gave him the best run for his money. I think that's a huge fight to make. I would love to see that fight, and that Leon Edwards and and Masvidal fight. That's interesting. We'll off, maybe maybe even put them all in the same card and main event and co-main event i think that would be great that would be cool that would be cool if they were able to get like on the volkanovsky versus ortega fight that should be cool right to stack that card that should be badass that'd be dope hey just thanks again bro we really appreciate you bro yeah absolutely man i i I look forward to being back on with you guys uh hopefully next time i'll physically be president and uh maybe have a an old-fashioned or something I like that. I like we, that. We, we do like to drink on this podcast. Every so now that's, and that's then. possible, bro. Every but now and then. Thanks again, my man. I'll hit you up later, doggy. Be safe, doggy. Awesome, guys. Steven, Joel, thank you guys again, man. Appreciate you, it. You got it, brother. Later. Bye, guys. Bye. Well, that was the homie Jesse, man, and uh, he had a lot of good insight on the on the UFC fights and shit. Obviously, we knew that he's really interested in UFC, and the he's boy. obviously one of the, the the guys that we can rely on for for some extra knowledge. The no boy doubt. knows his stuff, bro. He tells me some deep deep cuts on UFC sometimes, and I'm like, bro, where did you even what? read that? Like, were you in the that? gym or something? Yeah, like it's <laughs> stuff that like you got to be in in the guys like training camp to know. And it's like, just where did you even hear that? Like. I, I, I hit him up for picks. Like, yo, how you feel about this? And Real like, quick, I got this guy on DraftKings. Bro, What's up? He's really good. Like, he'll know about those sometimes that it's like one of those, like, somebody's a stand-in and has no shot. And he'll be like, bro, bet the house on this. And you're like, really, bro? This undercard fight that nobody knows? And he's like, bro. Do it. And sure enough, almost every time, bro, he's That's really the good homie. at that. So shout That's out to the, the homie. homie. For sure. Thanks again. But, dude, we got a lot lot to get into. We got into. a lot, man. And and just to mention, like, while we're recording this, we're keeping an eye on the All-Star Games activities. We got the Home Run Derby tonight. Um, we got the Japanese. Is he, he's Japanese, right? Who's oh, that? Otani, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Japanese sensation. Shohei Otani. Versus the, Juan Soto. Favorite. Yeah, he's the favorite. Salvador Perez is in it. Pete Alonso. My pick, Joey Gallo, is in it. Trevor Story's in it. Matt Olson. Where's uh, Where's Vlad? Is Vlad playing? Is Vlad nah, in the home Vlad's not in it. Vlad's no, not really? In it. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's, that's I'm, disappointing. I'm, I mean, but look, a lot of people understand why because that I shit can it. mess up your swing. I totally. And get he's it. too young like, to mess up. He's one of the swing. most exciting players. I feel to you. Seeing that. Paid to see him bat in a regular game, though. Yeah, but no, just like that. These you want to see that these bat. 
pay the ticket price and go see this guy back like, yeah. because it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. And um, But as you guys are hearing the episode tonight, I uh, just want to mention that our boy T-Rod Trevor Rogers, he's going to be pitching hopefully at some point. So make sure you guys are tuned in at 730. Um, the All-Star Game is being held in Coors Field this year in Denver, Colorado, which is obviously a dope, dope um, stadium. Martins have some good history there. And... Yeah, man, it's gonna be a dope event as always. I'm, you know, there's not a lot going on. There's no basketball that night, so. Well, quick Martin's update from last week's episode to this week. We we actually, you know, after last week's show, we kind of went on a little tear. Yeah, we won a couple games back to back against. Uh, shoot, I know the the series after was against the Braves. I'm pretty sure, and they they ended up taking us on a couple of those games, but we won the series. As uh, Soso picks it, pulls it up right here. I can't remember. I think we won three out of four of those games. No, we lost the series against Atlanta. We won the series, the previous that, series against. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, the, I know the that's, Dodgers. That's oh, what I said. I fought for so yeah, it was against the Dodgers. They were over here while Drake was uh, having date night on their baseball field. We well, took them what three out of those four games. Yeah, we ended up beating yeah, yeah, them. Yeah. So yeah. we kind of put a stop to, to the Dodgers a little bit, but then we're our back confidence was you know we're back to it. Brought back down to, to real the real world. Thirty nine and fifty though. Thirty nine and fifty. Lehman games uh, below five hundred. We're last in our division. Last in the division. Kind of the spot where we thought we would be, but again, like I've pointed to earlier in the podcast and on other numerous occasions. The talent is there individually. We've seen it. Like Pablo Lopez oh. just did that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on hit the horn for my dog. My man, Pablo shout Lopez, bro. Out. Shout out to you. In case you don't know, he had nine straight strikeouts major to start the game, record. which is a major league record. Every batter that he faced in those nine spots got a K. Nasty. Nasty. That's the type of talent that I'm like, yeah, shit, it's I'm glad that I watched this because I, I want to be there in the beginning when I can look back and be like, yo, remember when Pablo Lopez and remember when Trevor Rogers were coming up in the year 2021, you know, and, and look back on that and be like, yo, these are the moves that really paid off for the Marlins. And this kid is obviously showing that he has major league talent. Guy's nasty. Shout out to you, Pablo, man. Keep oh, yeah. it going, bro. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, little little glimmers in, of hope. You're, you know, we're, we're seeing big bats on, on certain nights. You know, yeah. we're seeing pitching it is starting to come together on certain nights. Now it's just a matter of getting it all figured out. And, yeah, it's 11 games. You know, we're last in the division. But here's the all-star break, and we get a nice little reset. You know, we got – um, we start on the road again. Surprise. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> we get a four-game series against the Phillies, follow that up with another three-game series against Washington before we bring it back home against uh, San Diego and then hit the road again. Which is I, – I, if, dude, I'd ha- if I had to guess the Marlins' strength of schedule, we're probably one of the, oh, like, come the on. hardest come on. schedules in the, in the majors. Hurricane here. fans know all about strength of schedule. It's ridiculous. And how dude. we get tried with that. But, but it's whatever. fine because if we want to, you know, compete with the best, we got to beat gotta the best. It. You know what I mean? Gotta so, you know, that's perfectly fine, especially in a year like this where we're still trying to find ourselves. Right. Um, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. You know, I just hope that we don't get swept in all of these nah, series. Nah, 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 man. I really think that the second half, um, it's going to be great for the Marlins for two reasons. Number one, a lot of the players that we rely on get to actually take a break and recover, you know, take care of some injuries, relax a hammy, whatever's bothering him, the ankle, whatever. Get some rest. Get ready to, like, start that second half of the season because it could lead to a potential push, a potential push, right? So you have to get focused mentally. How do you do that? You let the body recover. So those two things are really going to be helpful for the Marlins on their journey, which is the second half of the season. And being on the road and actually being – able to get some wins on the road is going to be very important so i'm kind of curious to see how they get started against philadelphia and washington winnable teams we can beat these teams they're not world beaters you know we can beat these guys and we've shown that here and there but as you and i have spoken about plenty of times we know that the trick to this all is winning the series so if they can get three out of these four games to start the season or to start the second half of the season man we'll be in a good spot we'll be in a good spot and um, starting off on the right track, if we could do that, yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll we'll see how it happens, but we're gonna tune into the All Star Game and put it in the background for your, for our entertainment. Hopefully, you guys are doing the same um, with the All Star Game tonight. Let's let's talk a little bit about the finals, man. The Bucks they win Game Three, one twenty to one hundred, uh, beat Phoenix, and Giannis has his second forty plus point game in a row. 
He's proving the haters wrong. He's proving the haters wrong. He's proving in, me wrong. Including Soso, right? <laughs> Us. Shit. You know, we, we've kind of haven't given him his credit. You know, he's a former MVP of the league, right? But but do you think he's performing now because of the criticism or because of the the he recognizes that, hey, this could be my only shot to do something? I think it could be a little bit of the both. I mean, if you're a, a you know a professional athlete, you shouldn't let criticism like that. Mm. You know, especially a, a peak. You know, one of these guys at the top, right? You shouldn't let those kinds of things affect you, like the media and fans and wh whatever anybody else has to say that's not on your team right. fighting towards the same goal. Those outside voices, exactly. You got to shut that shit out. But it could have to do with that. But I think it's more so your you know what you brought up in the second half of that, which is, you know, is this the one moment? And, yeah, that he's playing right now as if this is going to be his only shot in the finals, and that's the exact way that every player who reaches the finals the first it. time should approach it. You shouldn't take it for granted. You shouldn't say, you know what, you know, it, I'm, my ankle hurts a little bit. You know, let me get some some time off. Let me sit down on the bench. Like, no, dude, you're in the NBA finals. There's 30 other teams that tried to get there and failed. You had to beat all of them. And this is your last shot. You're down two games to nothing, back against the wall. If you lose this what game, you know what are you made of. Yeah, straight and up. And he showed us. Yeah. No, he definitely showed us. And the rest of the NBA world, he put them on notice to be like, yeah, there's other ballers, but don't forget about me because I'm the reason this team is here. And we've talked about it before, how Chris Middleton had had better moments leading up to the finals or their playoff run. But... I feel like once Giannis knew that the doctor cleared him and was like, hey, you're straight. You can go out and, and play basketball. Mm -hmm. He was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to figure it out. And that first game against Phoenix, he kind of was hesitant, but he still scored 32 points, and they took a loss. He came back the next night with another 40, with a 40-point performance. They still lose, and then he cranks it up to score 40 again, almost has a triple-double, and, bro, he's just elevating that team right now. Now. Do I believe he can continue at this pace and this, like, workload? I doubt it, bro, because that shit takes a toll on the healthiest uh, healthiest of players. And right now, he's not the healthiest of players. So, I don't know if he's going to be able to hang on for the rest of the series in order to make that, that impact. I think he did what he needed to do, you know, right now. Now, next game, it's, it's going to be on, you know, the rest of the gang. It's Middleton and... And company, you know, because well, uh, they, they Drew Holiday right. showed up. They did all right, you know. Uh, Giannis obviously led the way with forty-one points. Uh, you got Chris Middleton who had eighteen. Um, he, he actually had a pretty pretty good stat line. It was eighteen, seven rebounds, six assists. Uh, Holiday, to your point, twenty-one points. Bobby Portis only had eleven though. Brooke Lopez had eleven. You know, next game these guys these guys got to just put up a couple more boards. A couple more means that Giannis doesn't have to take an extra foul or two or whatever, or get hurt, put his body at risk. And and that's really going to make the difference. As far as for the Suns, mm. Booker needs to step it up. He needs to he wake was up. Lackluster last night. Not well. Not the, I take that back. He doesn't need to wake up because he had a really good game too. He did. And but believe it or that not, doesn't mean you can call him sick game three. No, bro. no, no, no. You have to show up every game in the finals. You have to show up every game in the finals, even if it's again resulting in a loss. You have to be able to look at yourself and your teammates and be like, "All right, I gave my best effort tonight. We didn't win, but I can give my best effort tomorrow night and us win again, and you know, and bounce back." If if he doesn't wake up to realize, hey. I, I got to win one game on the road because I know Chris Paul and Monty Williams definitely have that on the on the back of their mind where they're like, well, shit, we need to get this game four on Wednesday night and really put ourselves in a position where we don't have to worry about going into a back and forth, back and forth battle for this championship. The pressure is really on Phoenix to win game four because you don't want to go back to Phoenix tied to two. With Giannis having all the momentum, him dropping possibly another 40-point game on you, which would be a ridiculous record that I only think Michael Jordan has and shit, having like 40-point games in the finals. Like, this dude is on another level right now. So Phoenix literally has to knock this guy out and win game four to solidify them really having a good chance of winning the championship. Because if it goes back and forth where it's like five, six, seven, and it's a best of three, I don't doubt that Giannis can get crazy and win a game in Phoenix, whether it's game five or game seven. I don't doubt that he can do that. If he stays healthy. If he st it, well, he's healthy, bro. <laughs> there is no if he stays healthy. He is healthy, as healthy as he can be. Because the doctor gave him the clearance, said nothing's broken, Papa. Go forward, be strong. 
And he's playing like it. He's not looking hesitant with any type of his movement. He doesn't look afraid to attack the rim. He doesn't look afraid to go up for a rebound or, or like, bang and dunk. He had, like, six dunks in that game where he was coming off an offensive rebound and going right back up with it to slam it home. That shit that you do when you're fully healthy or at least confident in your body to say right. it's normal. Yeah, my point is this next game, game four, Wednesday night, Anything gonna, can happen. It, Anything a, can happen. First couple a, minutes. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's a jinx him, but he can go down at any point in the game. And if he damn, goes dog, down, that sounds like a jinx. I'm though. not. Try- <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. But if he goes down, I, that'll change the entire series. Nah, for, for, for sure. The Bucks. For sure. And and look, we can so point to any injury. If he's healthy, right? We can point to Chris Paul's injury too. If his shoulder gets messed up, he can take a big hit, and and he can potentially be out for. Some time, which would definitely mess up with the Phoenix rhythm in this play in this finals. I don't know, man. It, I feel like it's a playoff, a must win for both teams. No, absolutely. Right? At this like point, both teams have to win Game Four. They have to. You can look at every single reason and be like, "Yep, that's a good reason for them to win Game four. I, I don't know, man. Who I do think you got? I think Chris Paul because he's been there before in that three one situation. I think he's going to win too, and he's lost. I, I don't. I think he doesn't want to be in that predicament where he's. He's like, oh shit! We just let them tie up the series now. Yep. You know what I mean? No, I want to. I want to just go ahead and clamp down right now and tighten up and just beat these guys these next two games. I, they got one. That's all they're gonna get. I think so too. And I hope that's what he does, man. I, I hope think that's so what too. He does. I think Who so do I too. got as far as what the, this next game on Wednesday night? Yeah, uh, I got the Suns, man. I got the Suns winning it. Me too, bro. That's right. I got the Suns going going in there and having that game that they have to win. That way, they can go comfortably go back home. Win game five and be like, this is a wrap, boys. Yep. Let's yep. call the end to the season. And you before know? before we get off this basketball talk, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about the predicament. The predicament. What the, predicament are you speaking of? The predicament that predicament predicament. <laughs> the predicament that Team USA has. Oh my goodness, dude! Did versus you see that embarrassment. <laughs> that embarrassment. Now shout out to Nigeria, though. Shout, shout out, out to, to the Heat. You Baby gotta shout heat. out Nigeria because they had three Heat players on that team, including Precious Achua. Yep. They had KZ Okpala. Yep. And they had Gabe Vincent. Three yep. Heat players. Three and they Nigerians, took the, bro. And they took down the my the my team the Team USA basketball team. Dude, and how embarrassing! My was favorite that? part of that was the tweet that came from the from the Nigerian basketball team uh, handle, giving Bam the shit like, "Yo, this could have been you, bro." He could have been in a different jersey out here balling. And it was just impressive to see that team play with hustle, right? And 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 that's how you fucking win basketball. You win basketball with hustle. Yeah, you could be talented, but sometimes you're gonna be off. And yep. if you don't if you don't have that cohesion of playing together all the time, then you're gonna be off and you're gonna you're gonna lose to hustle. And then the coolest shit for me personally was the block that Precious had on fucking KD. That was nasty. nasty. That 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 was like a, a reverse poster. Block. Like, what's the opposite of a poster? I don't even know. I'm gonna send a frame. I'm gonna send a picture <laughs> of you. This shit was painted in oil. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Portrait. It's a fucking three by six. You need to hang this in your living room, Bro, KD. I'm it sending was it to you. Beautiful, dude. It was a great I feel block. like it didn't get enough love from like social media right? and everything. Like, it's that. probably because it's precious and they don't know about. They don't my really dog. know about them like that. They don't know about my dog. Something else that stood out to me after that whole thing went down yes. is there's a photo circulating of obviously the three players. We just mentioned and mm-hmm. Bam Adebayo, who yep. was also Miami Heat, and uh, they're all together taking a picture. And there's a there's a person lurking in the background, kind of glancing and gazing over at them, like he's almost like, I wish I could be a part of that. He looks like, damn, I wish I could be a part of that. And and this individual happens to be one of the players we've been talking about that we would love to have on our team. You're gonna name drop him or what? Dame Lillard. Oh, da- Dame Dollar. What'd you think about that picture? I thought the picture was cool, right? Because obviously the Heat are represented in that picture, right? Man, people can make the most out of the smallest thing. I don't know if they... Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Like, come (laughs) on, man. Come on. Come on. Hey, bro, let me Bro, you think Dame... No, you, the guy who took that picture, probably looked and was like, got him. Oh, my goodness. I got his ass in the corner. Look at Dame looking at these heat play. I'm going to blow it up right now. Hey. It was probably I need that 100K. Like a split second, too. Like he oh, just yeah. was talking to somebody, and then he shouted out, yo, Dame. And he and looked he over and like, like snap. Boom, got him. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't make too much of it. I'm not going to make too much of it until I hear some type of rumblings, right, from Dame's camp. And it's not even going to come from Dame, right, because he already said, like, I'm not talking no more after the whole debacle with the coach and shit. He's like, I'm not talking no more. So, obviously, nothing's going to come out of his mouth. It has to come within his camp. Something has to leak out where it's like, hey, 
Dame has privately asked Portland about some trade possibilities. That's the only way I'm going to start getting my hope. All right, all right. We'll revisit that when we get a little bit more more grip on the rumors. I don't need that roller coaster right now, dog. I was already on a roller coaster this past Saturday, dog, with the fucking Argentina game versus Brazil. Oh, my goodness. Soccer, dude. Dude. Soccer. Dude. Football, as they call it. What a weekend for football. What a weekend for football. Honestly, with the... Copa America final on Saturday and yep. the Euro final on Sunday. That's a soccer fan heaven weekend right there, bro. It it's like, a- hey, guys, I'm not doing nothing. I'm staying home with my beers or I'm going out to drink with my friends and see you guys later. It was a busy, busy weekend for sports. Hell yeah. There was a lot going on. Dude, when we pulled up to Grails, it was packed yeah. because people were watching the Brazil game. Yep. And we saw how, how like the reaction was when Argentina ended up winning and we saw... All the Messi fans, I'm not going to say the Argentinian fans, I'm going to say all the Messi fans, right, get crazy and start acting out and having a good time. Um, It was really dope to see him win something for his country because of all the shit that he's had to deal with, because of all the drama that surrounded the national team in Argentina and them losing tournaments and this and that. He, He deserves it. He deserves it. Because of who he is, how he's played the game, how he's been an ambassador for the game, and really has represented himself, himself, and his, what his brand is about, and his nation in the proper way. Never had an issue, never had a problem, nothing like that, right? At least big issues. It was really cool to see that, but it sucked because as Argentina was winning and Brazil's losing. I'm having a hard time looking at my wife. Oh, I know. And, and you and I both saw it. We were like, damn, this I, is going to suck for the next 20 minutes for her, you know? I, Dude, I felt so bad. You could just see the disappointment in her face. And shout out to Laishi. She, yeah, she, for sure. She's a trooper. She's dog. a trooper. She took it, you know, like a champ. She and, took it uh, way better than the dude at the bar. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> that guy in the Brazilian jersey, yo, he took three straight shots. He was like, you know what? Hey, round, I just took this last. I'm not going anywhere. Bring three straight shots. And she had a couple of drinks, too. Yeah, so for sure. So maybe she was hiding it that way. For sure. Every Brazil fan was. But um, soccer won that day. The ultimate goal was soccer won that day because we saw, again, Ronaldo had won the Euros. He's never won the World Cup. Messi had never won the World Cup, never won anything for Argentina or major trophy. And he finally got his on Saturday. So I couldn't be mad. As a soccer fan, it's good to see storylines like that happen. Yep. you know. And uh, other interesting storyline was from Sunday where – England got the better of Italy in the first half. They scored one zip. Italy, early. 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 early on. It was like in the f- fifth minute or something like that, sixth minute. Um, Luke Shaw got the goal for England. And then Italy bounces back. Uh, Cellini gets the goal to equalize off of a blocked kick and a block pass. And then it happens to land right in front of him, and boom, he Just was able to slot it right in. in there, yeah. And the goalie and, didn't have enough time. Or and that was clutch because Italy it. had been pushing that whole second half, pushing, pushing, pushing that whole second half to equalize. And once they got it, you can tell that their confidence level went through the roof. Like, the, like if somebody turned the volume up, bro. You want to know something, though? Yeah. After that first goal uh-huh. that England scored, as soon as they scored that goal, they took the foot off the gas. Yeah. And they were playing a lot more like, oh, we have we a lead. It. Let's just sit back here and Protect. drink tea and just Protect. you know, like work on our accents. Like they were yeah. just like, what do you do? Like attack. Attack. Just because you're up one zip, like don't stop being the aggressor in this. Get get in there. Get after it. Let's let's see something. And there was a lot of time where that ball was just being kicked around in the backfield. Yep. And they were just kind of wait and then Italy saw what was going on and they knew that all it took was just one goal one. to get them back in it. And that's one. what happened. And you're right, Joel. Like Playing defensively for long periods of time, an entire game, 60 minutes, 70 minutes, that shit's going to cost you. Gonna and you're going to get you're gonna get scored on. It's just the law of the game. When all you do is defend, you're going to get scored on. And it happened. Mm-hmm. And once Italy scored, it's like you mentioned, they, they freaking put their f- foot on the gas pedal and broke through the floor because they just revved it up for even ha- the extra time. They kept pushing, pushing, looking for the goal, looking for the goal, where England was looking very reserved, playing very on their back heels and stuff like that. And then once they got to penalties, you could tell that England did not want any of that. And there was a lot of criticism of the of the manager for England, Gary Southgate, because of who he picked to take the penalty kicks. He picked, he made three substitutions towards the end of the extra time. He brought in Marcus Rashford, he brought in Saka, and he brought in uh, what's the other guy's name? Damn it! He brought in Jack Grealish. I'm trying to figure it out. What's the guy's name? I'm sorry, man. I can't help you out there. I, I can look it up for you, though, if you no, like. No, no, no. It's cool. I got it right here. All right. I got it right here. Sancho. 
So he brings in. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. This guy has. So Jordan Central is a player for Borussia Dortmund, but he's going to Manchester United. Rashford plays for Manchester United. Harry Maguire plays for Chance- Manchester United. So he went with a weird set of penalty kickers, right? Italy put their best of the best. They had their strikers, and they had their best penalty kickers. They had Berardi. They had Belotti. Bonucci took it. Beranacci took one. And Jorginho took his. Bro, took all fifth. those names sound delicious. They sound like desserts <laughs> that I would but like all, to eat. But my point is all those Belucci, guys take Belucci. penalty kicks. You know, they especially Jorginho. He's the last one who took it. Yeah, he's got blocked. But he takes penalties for Chelsea. He takes penalties for Italy. He's their best penalty taker. So everybody that I mentioned for Italy does take penalties. On the England side, Harry Maguire really doesn't take penalties. You know, Marcus Rashford rarely takes penalties. Jordan Sancho hardly ever takes penalties. Even the kid who took the last one, uh, Bukuyaku. The kid's like 19, isn't he's, he? He's a baby. He <laughs> doesn't really take penalties. He was, the, he was the last one, right? He was the anchor? Yeah. and, and I feel so bad for that kid. I felt bad for him, too, because, again, the coach put him in a bad spot. Where it's like, hey, go go out there, be the anchor. Biggest game of your life, biggest stage where you haven't even played for an hour. Put a, put a grown-ass man in that put spot, a, man. Nah, just put somebody there with experience. Somebody That's what who, I mean. That's what I mean by that. feels like it could be a 19-year-old, right? But at least the kid has taken 100 penalties for his team, for his national team, like an error Haaland. Right, the the tall Norwegian yeah, kick. Or if there's a penalty, or Mbappe, if there's a penalty kick, and Mbappe got his shit blocked in the Euros. But, yeah, we saw that. But even still, you put those guys in the position. You're, you're like, fine with Mbappe you. doing that. I like, trust he does you. that, and you're like, all right. If you if you miss, that's the one in the rest of the ninety nine. Right. So I'm okay with that. But this kid Saka man, again, he doesn't take the PKs. Sancho doesn't take his PKs. Rashford takes them occasionally, not enough to solidify that. And what. What ended up happening is, obviously, all three of those guys got their penalty blocked, uh, except for Mar- Marcus Rashford. He actually beat the goalie, but he ended up hitting the post. Yeah, that was terrible. That shit was terrible. And then what I didn't like was the backlash that, that A, some of the England players were giving, like, the decision on who took penalty kicks, right? It was like, oh, I wanted to take the kick, and I want to. Well, if you wanted to take the kick, you should have stepped up because everybody who wanted to take the kick for Italy was like, put me in there, hey, put I me in there, it. literally up this, to the I coach. The coach smoke. was like, well, guys, who? He's like, hey, hey, put me in there, coach. And the guys from England were like, yeah, maybe you know, if you want to throw me in there, I will. And then after the fact, a lot of them came out and said, oh, you know, I should have took the power. I, I, I probably could have made a penalty. That's whack. That shit is whack. You know, just like the 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 backlash that Marcus Rashford, he got a lot of racism, abuse, and shit like that in England. They, he had a mural defaced and stuff like that. Where he, okay, and, and this kid has done wonders for that England community, wonders for Manchester community, where he's provided food to people who don't have uh, a bunch of COVID relief and stuff like that. For them to, to hit him with that backlash just for missing a penalty kick. That's, like, that's because they're all hooligans over yeah, there, Yeah, man, that shit's a, that shit's whack. Shit like that is whack. And Those that, guys are hooligans. They're, that's something they were, that I didn't like, man. They were uh, There was fans that were beating up on, like, Italy fans that were, like, Yeah, bro, you stadium. saw that. Like, dude, just classless, man. Like, you're worse than Philly fans. Worse than Philly fans. And Philly fans are <laughs> the terrible. worst. They're the worst. But it was really whack how some of the England fans were really behaving. People were like breaking down barricades and shit like that, trying to break into the stadium. Classless. Classless, so that's man. That's what they get you know? for all that. It's coming home stuff. Yeah, man. And, and, well, that's what happens. You know, karma has a funny way of finding its way around, bro. And it just so happened that Italy was got boosted by that karma. So shout out to Italy for winning it. Champs of your of your and Jorginho. Shout out to Jorginho and Emerson, Chelsea players. They're double European champs. That's crazy. They win the freaking Champions League and now they win the Euros in the same year. Those guys are living life. That type of shit doesn't happen, bro. So those guys are gonna definitely be uh one of those quiz questions in sports from now on. Which two players won both European yeah, trophies right? in the same year? I'm gonna get that shit right for ah, sure. Ah, for sure, because now we're Chelsea fans, yeah, right? I got you, dog. My dog. I got you. I'm dog hey, but let me ask you this. So what's next in the world of soccer? What do we have to look forward to now? Nothing. Uh be- beginning of the season. Season's coming up for all the leagues in August. Uh, now we have some. Well, USA is playing in a, a tournament, the Gold Cup or something like that, which is basically a cup between the Southern and Northern American countries. USA should win those games because they have the best team that's out there. Granted, they're young, but they have a lot of European experience, so they should win that fairly easy. They won the other night against Mexico. They beat Haiti two one zip. So. We see the progress in the USA men's team. They didn't even have none of their stars that play in Europe. So the the, the rest of the squad is actually building up where they can carry or be 
very helpful to the star players once they come back for international duty. But for now, we're just looking forward to the beginning of the season across all the leagues, and I believe in late August, early September for most of them. And for me as a Chelsea fan, I'm just looking to see if any of the rumors actually happen. There's a lot of rumors that always happen in this time because of people, you know, agents talking to reporters, reporters talking to friends, friends talking to the media, and and everybody's trying to figure out where the next big star is moving. And a guy I mentioned earlier, Erling Haaland, he's been rumored in and out of Chelsea a bunch of times. I know that Declan Rice has been rumored a lot in and out of Chelsea talks. And those two guys are very expensive right now. You know, Erling Haaland is probably going to cost $120 million uh, or pounds, whatever you want to call it. Declan Rice is going to cost over $100 million, whatever you want to call it. And time like stuff like that, moves like that, they take time. So I don't expect none of that to happen. But if it does happen, I'm going to be very excited. And you guys are definitely going to hear about it. <laughs> but if it doesn't, then I'm just going to see how the team stacks up or what moves are made in order to make a run in the Premier League. I feel like since we won the Champions League, we definitely focus on want to focus on winning the Premier League. It's been a while since we've done that. So hopefully it happens. I hope so too, man. What about what about Olympics? Is there any Olympics? The Olympics is coming or? up. The Olympics is coming up, and there's Olympic soccer, but I don't think the men's team made it. The USA men, men's team made it. Oh God, come hey, on, man. dude. Hey, but that's what happens when you don't play your best players, bro. Uh, yeah, that's you get embarrassed. Mean. Yeah, but even when we play our best players, we still lose to Nigeria. Hey, wrong sport. I'm sorry. Wrong sport, I'm bro. Still but upset. but I feel you. Hey, at least our Heat players were on that squad. Yeah, that's true. That's the one good look, good thing to look forward. to. But you know what? Before we wrap up the show, dog, let's talk a little bit about the British Open, man. Oh yes. That's oh yeah. Maybe the fourth major in golf this, yes, this sir. week right here. Yes, sir. I'm excited, man. It's uh, it's definitely fun. They you know got postponed last year due to the pandemic, but they're kicking it's off back. Thursday at Royal St George's. Um, it's the famous. Yeah. Royal State. Uh, all those courses over there are historic and famous. I mean, you know, that's where the birth of golf was, was over Straight there in up. Europe. So it, it's going to be exciting, man. It's going to be um, action-packed weekend. Uh, obviously, it's a major. So, you know, we're going to be – I'm going to be definitely all over. Shout out Miami Golf Pros if you want uh, to follow me. Follow that right uh, now. Be, you know, commentating on that and things that happen throughout the week. So far going into it, some of the biggest headlines is that there's going to be some, – some of the top players in the world aren't going to be at this tournament. Including a former champ, including, Zach Johnson. Yeah, well, Zach, that's not the first guy I'm thinking about, but ah, you're uh, a hater. <laughs> you're a hater. Um, but I'm thinking of guys like our current Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama. Yes, who will not be there. Um, a former Masters champion Bubba Watson won't be there. Um, you got guys like Sung J M. Um, who's who's not going to be there? Matt Matt Wolf is not going to be there. There's a there's a, a couple a good of big amount name of talent. guys yeah. that yeah. you know we would like to see that we root for that aren't going to be there. Uh, some of them if it's COVID related. Uh, some some people coming into contact with COVID. Uh, some other guys, you know, some of the Korean players, they're not playing because of the fact that they're they're opting out to be able to play in the Olympics. That's golf. right. We talked about that before the show. Golf where is now an Olympic sport, yep. so they opt out to play in that, and there's a very good reason as to why they do that. It's a smart reason. Yeah, and the reason the reason being is because. If you're Korean, if you're born in Korea and you're a man, you have to serve two years in the military. military. And the only exemption to that is if you win an Olympic medal, whether that's bronze, silver, or gold. If you win a medal, if you medal for your country, you get exempt from that. So uh, guys like Sung J.M. have opted out of the British Open this week to uh, play instead in the Olympics for a shot at avoiding the military. Is that a bad or way to win, put that? Yeah, <laughs> obviously it is. He's trying to win a medal for his country. For his country. Yes. And he just so happens to not have and to And it has certain benefits. So golf. my man is out there trying to win, which is even better for him because it gives him extra incentive to play well. And um, But back to the tournament, we know that a lot of people are going to be there. Your boy Bryson is going to be in the building. And his new caddy. Clown. Whoever he picks from the parking lot, I feel like he's going to pull, pull a happy Gilmer and be like, you know what? You're fired. Hey, kid, you want to be my caddy? Let's go. You're nah, in. And yeah. then Will's asked. <laughs> and then Will's <laughs> like, Will's what is, like, he's like, what do you mean, dark? I'm a player. <laughs> I can't caddy for you, Bryce. No, no, no. He's talking fine. about He's like, no, you're fine, kid. Come on. He's like, dude, I'm. Could right, you imagine? Mind. He just picks up his bag like, all right, never mind. Uh, forget it. Forget uh, it. But no. There's, yeah, a lot there, of there's been a lot though. of Bryson drama, you know, because yeah. his, it, like right before the tournament, the last tournament he played in, like literally like the day before or the morning of the first day or what whatever, that he like just announced that they had parted ways. And since then, he's got a new caddy already. And he said yep. that him and his old caddy are still on good terms, even though his old caddy made 15, or I'm sorry, he, he made at least 1.5 million because Bryson earned about 15 million over that time span they played together, Oof. including 
including his major championship and, and other, you know, other wins that he had. So here's this Christmas bonus, I, dog. Yeah, I think he was just fed up with his bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, there's for only sure. so much. Like, dude, spray my ball with water to resemble the dew in the morning. Like, really, Bryson? It's too early for this right now, dog. No, or how about staying on the freaking dryer range until fucking ten o'clock yeah, at night like, to watch me hit a, an extra two, two, three hundred balls yeah, to get bro, my swing? This guy's like here. DJ Khaled out there. Another one. Another one. Another one. Like, Another dude, one. Let's just go home, you know. But. Um, yeah, he's he's out there. You know, I'm not really going for him. Um, we can get into predictions if we want to get into predictions. I already got my pick. Um, I'll, then I'll I'll start off by saying the uh, the if current you pick. My pick. We're gonna stop this recording. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm gonna the close all this shit. Favorite. And then. I'm gonna. This is a. This might spoil it, but the current favorite is the same favorite as the last major, Which and that's is? who I picked. Who's that? So I don't know if you know who the last favorite. Well, think about the last major. Oh, you did pick him. Shit. Hold on. I have my notes here, dog. It was the hothead, the Spaniard. Yes, the Ramanator. That's it, bro. <laughs> Rambo. Yeah, John Rambo. The favorite for this going into it, rightfully so. Um, you know, he just won his first, coming off his first major win. He is, uh, you know, from Spain, so he, he's he's very comfortable, you know, in that European environment. And this is a link style course, um, so I think he's going to dominate. This is just ready for him to come in there and just. Keep going on a tear. Well, let's see. Maybe he used up all his special drink juice that got him into that that championship. I'm gonna stick with the, another European, uh, but his name is Rory. Wow, you're gonna be disappointed, my guy. Hey, listen, <laughs> listen. You, wanna, you want me to, hot take? You want a hot take? No, I'm, I'm glad we're recording this. Go hot take. Rory shoots a 76 in his opening round. I'm writing that shit down. Write that down. I'm telling you right now. Count it. Rory McIlroy is gonna shoot. 76 in his opening round of the British Open. I can't wait until the next episode so that when it doesn't happen, my man right here is going to look straight into that camera and go, I was wrong. (laughs) And and the only reason that's going to happen, I'm going to go, I was wrong. He shot a 77. Nah, man. He's going to, I feel like he can do some things. Honestly, the reason why I'm picking him is because in the last tournament that he played, right? He knew he was out of the contention for the top five. He knew it was out. He was like, you know what? I'm going to go out here and work my game. I'm going to go out here and work some shots, work on some shit that I I haven't been working on before. And he was actually able to hit a couple of nice layup shots, get on the green a couple of, from, you know, to save par and stuff like that and get birdies. He was, I think it was him that got four straight birdies in a row the last time he was out. But I just feel like he's building up. He's building up. And it could be that this course which he's played a lot, obviously, being from, from Scotland. I think that he can do his he's thing. He's from Ireland. He's from Ireland, right? I think that he can do his thing, and this course is, like, laid out to what he's used to playing. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be, all right, I'm ready to kill this course, but he knows that if he gets into some trouble or if th- the weather changes or the wind starts to blow in a certain direction, he feels comfortable because he's played out there before. You know what I mean? As opposed to a lot of other people that may not have that experience. I'm just saying, don't count him out like that. No, I mean, I get it. You know, everybody loves Rory. He's the poster child for, for golf, you know. But to, to, everything you just argued would work in favor of a guy like Shane Lowry, who is the reigning Open champion. Right. Who, who is, uh, I believe he's Irish as well. Um, he won it uh, in Ireland when it was hosted there in 2019, two years ago, before, you know, before the last... COVID uh, yeah, COVID and all that stuff. So a guy like like that that knows those courses, knows that style of play, yeah, really man. thrived in those conditions. Those I can guys see that, that show. happening. But frankly, with Rory, man, he, he's kind of at this point. Rory's kind of like McGregor to me. He's, oh. he's a beautiful. He's a beautiful ambassador to the sport. You know, he's a big draw. Right. He knows the right things to say. He, right. He has a lot of fans. And but he can't win the big recently. One. He's just what have you done for me lately? He just uh, hasn't done anything to really impress me and, and make him a contender going into these majors like this. All right, I'm just gonna say for the show purpose, we haven't been that great when it comes to predictions. Now we've hit, I don't you've know, hit, dog. I, I think I've you've been hit. pretty good. No, no, you've hit once. <laughs> Let's relax. Hey, I've been bro. pretty good. Hey. What have you done for me lately, right? <laughs> That's it. That's it right there. I'm, I got the last hey, one. I hit the last one, man. That's all that matters. So. But we said the same shit about Phil and we didn't give him a shot. That was a different story. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. So let's okay. see. Let's see what happens. Let's see, man. Thursday, we'll see. Coverage starts. Uh, yeah, man. It's gonna be fun. It's I'm gonna be a good weekend. It. It's gonna be a good weekend. Let's see how it goes, man. But um, yeah, bro. This episode is done. It's a wrap. It's a wrap, bro. Shout out to our boy Jesse, man, for joining us for the UFC 264 segment, bro. Yep. Um, damn, dog. We're flying through these episodes, bro. 
We just hit 500 followers, by the way, on Instagram. So we want to shout out everybody who's following us. Make sure you guys translate that into following us on social media as in general. Make sure the Spotify, the Apple Podcast, the Google Podcast, all of that is getting a subscription and a follow. Even we the are Twitter. Now on YouTube. Yes. Now on YouTube, as you're watching us right now. Yes. So make sure if you are watching it, hit that subscribe button. If you are listening to us, do us a favor. Go to our YouTube channel, Sports with Soso. And hit that subscribe button. It Absolutely. Really there's there's nothing better than seeing me make terrible, terrible, terrible picks on your big screen TV in your living room to be like, look at this asshole getting it wrong once again. Yep. But it is what it is, man. But we have a lot of fun. We make our picks and we try to bring in the sports topics that people want to listen to and things that want to people that want to talk about and listen to. So that's what we do here, man. That's what we do, and that's what Let, we did at Grails. Let's wrap hey, We're going to keep it going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So shout out to everybody. Shout out to CIC. Shout out to CIC Miami in the building. And what we got to tell them to do? We got to tell them to tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell another friend. To tell another, another to friend. To tell one more friend about this dope-ass podcast that's hitting Miami straight up about sports, covering every single thing you can mention about sports, and doing it locally. You're not going to find it anywhere else, guys. Trust me. Trust me, okay? I'm from Hialeah. You guys got to trust me. But make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast, like I said, on all streaming platforms and following us on social media. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, more importantly. And until next time, y'all, peace. peace.